Welcome to the fourth episode of the Ducks on the Pond podcast. My name is Rick uh, from Rick Talks Baseball, and with us we have Justin, Charlie, and Phil. Today we're going to be going over some interesting topics, not a lot of baseball news, and we inch closer to the World Baseball Classic. Let's jump right in. We got a lot of good topics. Some are going to take a, take a bit, so I think we jump right in here. We'll start with Justin. Justin, uh, what is your topic this week, and why did you choose it? So my topic this week is a pretty big topic among baseball in general, is the future of uh, Otani. You know, um, there's a lot of talks of trade possibilities this, this season and then into next year with the signing and what kind of contract he's going to get. Um, so really – that's kind of why I chose it. It's an easy topic to talk about and everybody has an opinion on it. So that's, that's kind of fun to do. Um, so yeah, I'll just dive right in some of my trade poss- possibilities. Um, I did three separate teams. Um, I'll save the, the, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? I'll save the biased opinion for the end. So get, get all the good ones out of the way first. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I think a good spot for them, the people that have trades to be able to do this, um, the first team that I think could happen to get a trade is going to be the Cubs. The Cubs have a pretty decent farming system with a lot of young guys that are coming up that just aren't MLB ready yet. Um, but we've got, but there is one. Justin Steele is probably the big hook on there to give the Angels another pitcher. But yeah, I've got left-hander Justin Steele, outfielder Brendan Day, I think it's Dayas, uh, outfielder Owen Cassie shortstop Christian Hernandez and left-handed pitcher Jordan Wicks. And I think that gets that deal done. Um, I think they only get Otani out of that. Um, a lot of these trades I'm going to say are going to be just for Otani. I can't imagine they would want anyone else from the angels besides trout, which that's a whole nother trade in itself. Um, but then the second team I have is the Yankees. I say they get um, Gabriel Torres, Oswaldo Peraza, and then outfielder Jason Dominguez. I think that, that's a pretty solid trade for them and to get him as well. And then of course my, my hope and dreams is uh, for him to come to the the other side of New York and go to Queens and go to the, go to the Mets. Um, I think that trade is very possible with just three players like the Yankees um, given the Mets have two of probably the highest top picks in baseball or prospects in baseball being uh, Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez, which will not be in this trade. Uh, they've, they've already had teams come and cross and talk to them. They don't want to trade those guys. So these are the people that I think gets that done. Mark Vent- uh, Vientos, he plays first base uh, in the minors. He came up a little bit in the, in the, in the fall, or fall last year, I believe. He had a couple home runs, but not too much. Um, then we got uh, starting pitcher David Peterson. He's been a pretty s- staple guy for, for the Mets in uh, relief and in, um, just if they need another starter, a sixth starter. Um, he's decent. He's got some good stuff. I think just with, with age, he'll get even better. Um, and then shortstop Ronnie Mar, I think I'm going to, I'm probably going to butcher this, uh, Marciano, Marcino. Uh, he plays shortstop down there too. And he just won, um, player of the year down there too. So that's, that's a huge one for them. Um, but I think that trade gets Otani there and then transitioning into, uh, the contract. Um, I think whoever, whoever trades for him is going to keep the sign. Like he's going to sign there long-term, I feel like. Um, but yeah, if you guys, do you guys have any trade possibilities you want to talk before I get into the contracts? Yeah, I've got, I've got one. Um, I think that he's going to stay on the West coast. Um, I think he enjoys it out there. I think he likes the atmosphere out there. And I think he signs with, or he gets traded to the Padres mid season. Um, Padres have already showed that they're willing to go out and get the big name mid season, like last year with Juan Soto. Um, and they've got a, a fair amount of good pieces that they could send on that trade. Um, I had their catcher, Luis uh, Camposano. Um, he's a, one of their top prospects coming up this year, and I think he'd be one of the big names in that trade. Um, I think that they would also throw in either uh, Hassan Kim or Jake Cronenworth, um, one of those two, and then one of their top prospects, either Igor Rosario or uh, Jackson Merrill. Um, so a combination of those players, I think, would make that trade done. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, yeah, to add to that, uh, Manny's up for renewal as well. So that wouldn't be a bad trade option there, too, to throw him in. I personally don't think Manny – if they don't win, Manny's out. So Oh, yeah, 100%. My yeah. Words, I don't, they don't think they trade Manny, but – You don't? But, He'll leave. Uh, yes, because they – 
they still have him technically under contract unless he opts out for a few more years. So, gotcha. So we'll see. Yeah, but I don't see him wanting to go to the Angels. So yeah. you know, yeah. he would he'll, he would not be it. privy to, or he would not <laughs> want to be part of that trade. Agreed. Yeah. Was that yeah, I don't really Charlie? have that. Yeah, well, like, I don't, I don't really have any names to throw in there, but I, I agree with Charlie. I, I see him, you know, potentially just staying on the West Coast. So the Padres and the Dodgers are probably the best two landing spots as both organizations have a lot of talent, a lot of minor league talent, mm-hmm. a lot of major league ready talent. Um, yes. You know, so if the Angels were looking to retool, um, they could get a lot of pieces, mm-hmm. you know, for Otani. Bigger question is, what are they going to pay Otani? Because going into the 2023 season, there are only four pitchers who have a higher salary than him. Uh, and it's a pretty good list. You got Mac, Max Scherzer, you got Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Steven Strasburg. I'd say that's pretty good company. When it comes to hitters, um, he ranks 12th. So he's behind Aaron Judge, Rendon, uh, Trout, Seeger, Arenado, Lindor. I can name them all. Here's the predicament. He plays both positions, so he can do both of those things. Being a designated hitter allows him to hit every single game if he wants to, and he can pitch every fifth day. Or if you're in Houston, you can pitch every sixth day. Just kidding, Charlie. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, you know, he's a top-line starting pitcher. He could be an ace on most teams. Um, You know, going over the contract, I mean, you got to look. Right now, Scherzer has the highest contract at $43 over three years. Uh, so, I mean, on top of that, what do you pay Otani? He's going to probably make, my my God, I think he can make 50. I know Justin's going to disagree with this, but when you have somebody, you can play the field every day and you can have somebody who can go out there every fifth start. I I think he gets 50. I think you're looking at the first, probably $500 million contract. And I don't know if you guys read the article today, but Manny Ramirez also agrees. So, you know, it's right. Um, I'll have Justin rebuttal to that in a second because I can already see he's itching for that. <laughs> but I just want to go over a couple things. So who would sign him? Okay, who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna be able to sign him? So New York Mets have the highest active payroll in 2024 at 223 million dollars. Los Angeles Dodgers probably have the best chance at signing Otani. In 2024, they have the 16th ranked payroll. This is shocking, but they'll be down because they did next to no signings this year. They'll be down to $69 million in 2024. So they will have the financial capabilities to do it. The other two teams that are near $100 million in payroll are going to be the Cubs in San Francisco. Uh, Padres, we already know, like you guys said, have already shown interest and have already put it out, that, out there that they're going to chase after Otani. But uh, you start to look at the farm system because the other possibility is he gets traded, like you guys said. But the only way I believe he gets traded is if the Angels are out of contention, uh, which most likely will happen, but we'll have to wait and see. Right now, the Dodgers have the number one farm system with seven tier one prospects. Uh, The Mets are at number eight, and the Cubs are at 14. Uh, Realistically, adding that all in, my vote is the Dodgers. Either they sign them at the trade deadline or they sign them next year. The payroll just makes sense. They can throw any amount of money at them because they're only going to have $69 million tied up in payroll and if they want to get them earlier and like to your guys's point they want to try to do an extension they could they got a, they got the farm system to do it too so they're the number one ranked farm system i want to throw out that that is bleacher report is a source of that that's not going to be everyone's time i don't know that they're going to be top on everyone's uh list but that's where i personally think he's going all right justin go ahead fire away um so yeah as you said um I think he does get five hundred million, a hundred percent. He's going to get fifty a year at ten years. Like I think that, and with a full no trade clause, I a hundred percent believe that's what's going to happen. The reason I don't agree with that is because how can you give a player uh, that can maybe do this three to four more years until he has to choose to be a pitcher or to be a fielder? That's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's got, it's got to happen. How do you how do you do that as a business? Pay someone that much money. He's not. I just I looked it up myself too, and some of the things that I saw. He's not ten top ten in batting average. He's not top ten in ERA at all. How can, how how do you justify giving him that much money? Is it only because he's doing both? 
do you pay him for both or do you have a thing in his contract that says as soon as you make a choice your salary's cut you know mm. you can because, make it front like, heavy too a lot of yeah, teams very are front making heavy. it front heavy and um in like um i had to keep going can i yeah so i looked up um pays for dh i saw that charlie blackman is making 15 million dollars over four years as a dh okay um obviously the highest paid pitchers are max and justin sitting at 43 million a a year (laughs) essentially or over that time frame you know um so i i believe a realistic contract for otani it's 43 a year and that pays him as a top pitcher I think that is a realistic, as a businessman, that's what I would be looking at is okay. how long can he do this and realistically play at a top notch level. Now, yeah, not saying because he's in the, not in the top 10 that he's not good. I'm not saying that whatsoever. He's still, I believe he's still, he can be more than top 10, 100%. It's just, I think 43 a year, or, or yeah, 43 a year is what he should get and pay him as a top pitcher because, yeah, he may be DHing, but he's not playing the field either. You know, um, so that's just, that's just kind of where I'm at. And by who he signs with, if the Mets don't do anything, does it matter how much payroll free Dodgers have? They're going to throw everything at him. If the Mets do not make the World Series this year, they are all in on Otani. Just the Yankees are as well. And I think I saw the Padres are as well, too. If I didn't uh-huh. turn, it was the Dodgers. It was the Dodgers. Yeah. And they are all in. So those three teams have already come out and stated that they're all in. But let's be honest, every team's going to be all in on Otani. Uh-huh. Everybody's uh-huh. going to want him. Everyone's going to be throwing numbers. And that is how I think he gets over five. I think he may go over 500 because of that, because every team's going to be after him. Um, but hopefully he's not um, Carrera and chases bags um, all the time. So hopefully he'll play with a team that he wants to win with that will also pay him what he thinks he's worth, which would be nice. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at with that. That was my research there. <laughs> One of the other things you got to keep in mind is, is that Max Scherzer is 38 years old and mm-hmm. you got to remember Otani is only 28. So he's got 10 years and you're paying a guy who's 38 years old, 43 million. Now he is mm-hmm. you know, a top five pitcher. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he is getting that kind of money. Uh, but Otani again can do both. So, I mean, yes, I think you, you, you make it very incentive-based and front-heavy. If you can do this for this amount of years, you're going to get more money up front. And I think yeah. – and the other thing you have to look at for a team looking for Otani is marketability. He's going to put butts in the seats. He's going to mm-hmm. sell massive amounts of jerseys. And he already has a huge amount of endorsements. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. going to do not, it's going to be just a giant, giant cash grab for whoever yep. gets it. And that's why uh, on one of the podcasts that I was watching, um, it, you write him a blank check. You say, here, sign it. You know, that's and that's what a lot of teams I feel it's going to come close to. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts from Charlie or Phil? So I, I kind of have a question for you guys on Otani. What, if you are a playoff team, what do you do with Otani in the playoffs? Ooh, that's good. I like because it. Because in the playoffs, you're down to a four-man rotation mm-hmm. and you're pitching every – you know, four to five days. Um, but at the same time, if you're Otani, you're also hitting every single one of those days. Do you think he's able to sustain that through an entire playoff run, you know, pitching every four to five days? What do you I think? He can, I think he can when he's young. Obviously, when he gets up to like 30, like how old is he? 29, 28, 20. somewhere on there. 28. I think when he gets to around 32, 31, he's going to have an issue with that. But if he got in there young right now, I think he'd have no problem with it. Uh, I just think uh, that that that's time. <laughs> that's his time. <laughs> he's got to get in there quick if he wants to do <laughs> do that. So. Let's hear from Phil. How much? How much? In your opinion, how much um, are you really putting into being a designated hitter since you don't have to? to play the field since he's being a designated hitter. Do you think that works into him being able to pitch every fourth day in the playoffs? I think it definitely helps. Um, You know, I I would think when it comes to salary, you know, he's probably going to get between 40 and 50 a year. Right. But I don't think it's going to be 10 years. I think it's going to be less. It's going to be, you know, eight, maybe seven, eight, maybe nine. Um, just because you the you're taking a risk right with being a pitcher um it he he could definitely hurt himself uh, to be able to dh from pitching 
Um, right. and, and it can it can work the other way, but let's let's face it. We know that that pitching is more violent on your body than batting. Right. So um, I, and I agree with Justin. I, I think that whatever he does, uh, you know, it's going to be front loaded. And, um, you know, eventually he's going to have to give one of the two up. Um, you know, if his career arc continues, you know, probably, you know, it would be the pitching that has to go away. So you're paying him for the ability to do both. Um, and I think that being the DH, uh, you know, that's kind of secondary. I do feel to, to Rick's point, you're paying for the pitching and then the ability of the pop that you get when he plays uh, every day as the DH. So um, it, it's just interesting. It's a lot to it's a lot to think about. You could sit there and run numbers for, yeah. for hours on end. Um, but somebody is going to be walking away with just a, a fantastic player that's going to, you know, cement their ability to uh, go deep into the postseason and or win, you know, simply because of Otani. So, yeah. All right. That was a fantastic start. Great conversation. Um, next, it's going to go up to uh, Charlie, and Charlie's going to tell us about his uh, his topic for this week. Sure. Um, so I don't know about you guys. I'm a big video game guy. I play a lot of video games. My favorite video game for probably the last five years has been MLB The Show. Um, in my opinion, the best sports video game out there. Um, so my question for you guys is who do you think is going to be on the cover of MLB the show 23? Um, and I'll kind of pose it as two questions. Who do you guys think uh, will be on it? And who do you guys think deserves to be on it? Um, so for my picks, I had a couple um, kind of a little bit of a bias pick for me, but I think uh, Jordan Alvarez would be a great, great guy to have on the cover. I mean, with the postseason he just had, I mean, hitting the game-winning World Series home run. Um, and on top of that, he's had a couple really good years of baseball. Um, so I think that would be a great choice for them to put on it. Um, uh, another player who I think really deserves to be on there, I think, is Paul Goldschmidt. Um, he, again, has had a lot of really solid years for the last couple of years. Um, <laughs> and, uh and then just coming off of an almost triple crown year in the National League, yeah. uh, I think mm-hmm. I think he would be a great guy to put on the cover um, of this year's game. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, Phil, what you got? On, on a quick, I was just going to say on a quick side note: Are we excluding our Mike creative players on MLB the Show? Like my guy can't be on the cover. Can they be? Can they play for the team of the my? Was the Minnesota Marlins? Yeah, can they play on that team? <laughs> Go ahead, Phil. Um, yeah, well, I think it's it's a good it's a good fun discussion to have, right? Um, there there are a lot of potential players, but I really think if it's going to be somebody, it'll be Judge, right? Um, I know Judge has been on the cover before, but like you know, just um, the sixty two home runs, the AL MVP, right? Helping get the Yankees into the postseason. Uh, they they tend to go for uh, individual over team, so I, I feel like his individual accomplishments really uh, make him stand out this year. And then, you know, um, kind of follow up to what Charlie said. I would really go Goldschmidt. You know, I think would be my second choice. Uh, simply again, um, you know, flirting with the triple crown all year long, or for the majority of the year anyway. Um, and the NL MVP, I think that really cements him. But, I, you know, I could see Harper or I could see Otani. You know, there, there's a lot of potentials, but I, I would really say Judge is number one, Goldschmidt's number two in my book. All right, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, you want to go I'll, next, Justin? On this yeah, one? I'll go ahead. So my number one pick, um, we haven't had a pitcher on there in a long time. We've got Justin Verlander is my number one. And then my number two is Al, um, Alcantara, just for winning Cy Youngs. We just haven't had a pitcher up there in, a, in, in forever, it feels like, mm-hmm. besides Otani, obviously. <laughs> but um, and then I've got and then I've got Jazz Chisholm just because he's a fun player. He's out there. He, he gives it at all every every game that he plays. He never phones in anything. Um, he's just a fun player to watch. Are you um, talking about center fielder Jazz Chisholm? Yeah, the one where he's going to go out and win a Gold Glove this year. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, I um, just to, had to get my yeah. piece in. And then my next one is: I think he's 
overlooked in almost everything it feels like you know you don't hear enough people talking about him but nolan arenado you know he's a defensive monster like why not you know like why not give him the cover you know he's great and he's just a good person too i think he's awesome to be around but my number one that i want to happen it's a two-part cover okay so for the normal special like regular edition you put miggy cabrera up there okay just because he's retiring next year this is it right then give him his little fell wear fell wear fell wear help me farewell to work there we go you know just kind of give him everything but then also recognize someone who retired last year on the special edition covers you pull it on pool holes pool holes deserves it he had a career for the ages he was you know he just deserves that as a going out present you know i mean he's been on there before i think but it's been 15 years probably since he was on it <laughs> feels 20, like you 2014 know. was the last yes. time that Miguel Cabrera was on the cover of the but show. even then that's you know that's almost coming up on 10 years now mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think uh, I think those two in my opinion are a shoe in but I think it'll probably be judged too um just for the fact they can do an all rise edition again and it just makes sense <laughs> you know but I hope not I hope they give it to somebody else they generally don't like to do two players or the same player twice, but it, it's happened. So yeah, I, I, it's hard to tell right now. <laughs> Shame on you guys for taking almost all of my picks. Thank God I ran down like 10 of them, like I always do, and go overboard because you guys literally. <laughs> so I, I do have Judge. I do have Alvarez. I do have Verlander, and I do have Miguel Cabrera for obvious reasons. Miguel's career, Miguel, Miggy's career, Verlander's year last year, and what he's doing at age I think it was 38 or 39 and one year off of Tommy John was impressive. Alvarez is just one of those younger hitters who's putting up really great numbers, rookie of the year. Um, He's entering his fifth season and then he continues to get better and better um, judge for the obvious reasons that you guys stated, but let's not forget uh, Julio Rodriguez. Let's not forget him. 2022 American league rookie of the year. Fantastic rookie season made the all-star team, hit 28 home runs, drove in 75, and also stole 25 bases. On top of that, he's got a, he had a 147 OPS plus last year and finished seventh in MVP voting. I think he'd be a great ambassador for the game and someone to market. Um, who can forget the interaction he had with Liam Hendricks at the all-star game? I thought it was priceless. So, yeah, <laughs> show me the ball. So I thought that was fantastic. And then Justin will really like the other one that I had. And I think I can hear Narcos theme playing in the background. Yes. So what about yes. Edwin Diaz on the cover? Um, this guy had a monster year last year. He was selected to do a second All-Star game, finished ninth in Cy Young voting, 16th in MVP voting, 131 ERA, 32 saves. Mm. How about a 297 ERA plus just to show how dominant he was? He had an under one whip and 17 strikeouts per nine. Get this guy on the cover. Gave me goosebumps. Thank you for reading that. I'm excited to go out. Dude, and you can hear the trumpets. I mean, you get those (laughs) chills. It's not the Mariano Rivera type of chills, but it's It's a different. Yeah, it's a different. It's a different chill. (laughs) Yeah. Great. My rebuttal for uh, Rodriguez is, do you remember Peyton Hills on the cover of Madden? After one really good year, they put him on the cover. Said this yeah. guy's going to be the next star, and then he just he, he went nowhere. Didn't have a good career, and and that would be my only fear with Julio. I don't think it'll happen. I think Julio is going to be the next star, but what if you know injury? Something happens. He does. He doesn't perform. In, in my opinion, that's why you don't put a rookie on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let him play. Let him play another. You're, you're almost creating a Madden curse at that point. You know, if you, if you set that Madden up. Madden curse. Somebody put that to bed. <laughs> and they will when it's when it works when it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I don't even know who's on the covers anymore with all these games. Half the time I have to look it up because I get them digitally. They still and have I don't covers. Really I know, they but I don't pay attention. <laughs> I don't pay attention. <laughs> still have covers, Rick. <laughs> all right. Uh, are we good on this topic? Do we feel like we have a consensus that it's probably going to be Judge or, you know, a Verlander or maybe even a Goldschmidt? Seemed like the consensus. Goldschmidt would be sweet. Yeah. I'd like Goldschmidt. Love That's Love a good choice. Yeah. Get a Cardinal on there. Has a Cardinal ever graced the cover? I don't, I can't think of. Ma- at some point, McGuire was on something. <laughs> well, are we talking about like PEDs or the game? Uh, whichever <laughs> makes it work. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Now on to my topic uh, this week. Um, mine comes from like a lot of conversation around 
the TikTok channel. I'm seeing a lot of when I post stuff about Babe Ruth and a lot of the older guys in the game, I get a lot of people saying that they couldn't perform in today's game. My question is, could Babe Ruth play in today's game? And how would he do? Your opinions on how he would fare if you took a a DeLorean, put him in it, drove it 88 miles per hour, and then put him in 2023. Um, I'll start off, and there's no wrong answer. There's no right answer on this one. It's just a matter of opinion. Uh, Babe Ruth played during a time when baseball was primarily focused on speed. Babe's game was much different, and he exclusively relied on the long ball. Uh, Babe Ruth solely is responsible for changing the way the game's played. He went from speed to to wanting to see home runs all the time. Uh, another thing, Babe Ruth played when pitchers were known for going all nine innings. Usually by the third or the fourth time Babe Ruth saw these guys, they were gassed. They could barely get the ball over the plate. They were tired. Um, I do believe he was still still great. I'm not taking anything away. I'm just saying he faced a lot of tired pitchers in the third and fourth time around. In this case, when you go to 2024, you have deep bullpens. You have scouting reports. You have defensive shifts up until last year. Those are things that could completely change how he played the game. I think for the amount of money, I don't worry about his weight or how, you know, his work ethic. I think you have nutritionalists and people who would pay attention to his health. And when you're paying the amounts of money that you're paying players, I think they would help him with that. I see him being in better shape. Uh, Ballparks back then were really geared towards pitchers and he still put up all those numbers. Now ballparks are more hitter friendly. You didn't see the thing on Toronto. They moved in the wall. So look for a lot more home runs um, for Toronto this year and everyone playing in that stadium. Um, Babe Ruth also did it without performance enhancing drugs, nothing, nothing but beer and brats. Uh, He put up those amazing numbers without help of any kind. Um, At that time, it was believed that muscle would hinder, not help a baseball player. Um, I, I believe, you know, he wouldn't be an icon today because if he played in the present time, you know, you, you had newspapers, you know, there really wasn't. Now you have information overload at your fingertips. I could also, uh, I feel like anyone with a, a phone now would check out his afterlife or nightlife and be tweeting about what he was doing. So there's a lot more pressure nowadays than back in the 20s and 30s. Traveling's much different. Um, you can see your at-bats right after they happen on a tablet. You can make your adjustments with a coach on the bench. Um, there was no, there was segregation during baseball. Did Babe Ruth even play against some of the best players in the game? We'll never know because they never had a chance, um, until 1947, which Babe Ruth was out of the game. I just think it's changed so much. It's hard to determine if he'd be great today. Um, we pay attention to spin rate, exit velocity, defensive range. That wasn't even a thought back then. The game was much simpler. They only cared about runs, home runs, RBIs, and batting average. So finally, to top it all off, I would personally think he'd be a good ball player. But I think if you put him into present day, he's not going to be the icon that he was. Because with the amount of information we have today, there's just too many talented ball players. We haven't seen a season with a guy doing so much better than the rest than Barry Bonds. That's the only one so that I can think of off the top of my head. So that's why I'm saying I don't think he would be as iconic. He might be good or he may be with the pack, but I he did stuff and what made him such an icon is he was hitting more home runs than entire leagues. That doesn't happen today. There's just too many talented players in the league. Uh, Like I said, verdict, he would definitely be good. I don't know if he'd be hall of fame, but I think he would have a good career on there. Like I said, I don't think he put up bad numbers, but I just don't think he would have had the hall of fame career in the iconic career that he did. Uh, Charlie, after my novel, I'll let you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a lot of the same points that you did. Um, one thing that I think would be interesting to kind of talk or I guess think about um, is if are you taking Babe Ruth, you know, his you know rookie Babe Ruth and teleporting him into today's game? Or are you taking, say, like young Babe Ruth, taking him into the, today's baseball and letting him grow up through college, you know, through high school, college, all that? Um, and get letting, I guess, him get accustomed to our way of baseball. But you're right. I think either way, I don't think he's going to be as dominant. I think, you know, like you said, I, obviously he had the talent. And um, but if but if you get him on some sort of training program, I think I, I think he could have been an elite ball player if you you put him on, you know, some of the 
the give them some of the training that today's players have and you know that kind of thing but I you're right I don't think he would ever be you know quite as dominant as he was in today's league all right Phil thoughts on this one I know me and you have spoke about this in length before so well, you know, we spent the first 15, 20 minutes talking about Otani. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but Babe Ruth was a fantastic pitcher before he was ever a fantastic mm-hmm. batter, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, you know, the conversation we have around Otani would be the same conversation we would be having around Babe Ruth. You know, if you put him into, into today's game, um, you, you guys spoke, you know, a little bit about, you know, he'd be in better shape, you know, he'd be controlled more um, from the social media aspect. You got to think Babe Ruth was like the first sports megastar, right? Like he was known nationwide to a nation that didn't have any baseball, you know, hardly west of the Mississippi, um, you know, and he was known worldwide, too. Uh, you know, just for the things that he did. So I would think that in today's game, you know, the talent is still going to be there with, um, you know, better baseball acumen and and upbringing and and fewer off the field issues to distract him. Um, I I think he, you know, I don't know if he'd have the same career, um, but it would definitely, I think he'd still be iconic, especially if he ended up where he ended up, you know, in his time. Right. So if he played for the Yankees, and was winning World Series after World Series after World Series, he would he would be iconic. So um, I, I think a lot of what made him a standout player would still make him a standout player today. And I mean, you know, Rick, you, you kind of brought up the the PEDs a little bit. I mean, what happens if uh, you know Babe Ruth comes into our time and then takes PEDs? Right. That was <laughs> that, that would be peer pressure. Peer pressure. Happens, right. Then he could really throw a, a wrench into things. But again, I, I think that just with all of the things that, that the players have to keep them focused, keep them healthy and keep them performing at their their best would be something that would benefit a Babe Ruth in the present day. And uh, I think it'd be really interesting. I really would, because he, he would definitely rival, I think, an Otani. That was one of the things that was brought up on my research on that. That was, uh, I did see that um, they, they believe that if he came in the PED era or the steroid era, he would have taken them. That was the consensus on there that they believed if you put him in steroid era baseball, he would have taken them. I mean, we don't know for sure, but they just felt like that was, that was definitely a great possibility. So that's a great point, Phil. That was a, that was a great point on there. Uh, Justin, let's close out this topic with your opinion. So for the most part, I agree with Phil. Um, You know, if it's Ruth coming in and growing up in today's world and Ruth comes in, has the trainings, has everything that every other player has, I think no no player touches him. Uh, That's just my opinion. Because even then, the talent was there. The talent was there at the end of the day. And without all that training, he still smoked everyone. Now, given he wasn't playing everyone, I understand that. But at this point growing up, he would be playing everyone. And I feel like it wouldn't make much of a difference because it doesn't matter what race you are. You're still a baseball player and not one is better than the other. You know, so regardless, it's still the game that he loved and grew up with. I think he smokes everyone if he grew up. Now, with what you prompted, if you put him in a DeLorean, bring him back here, obviously he's going to get torched. You know, like he's he's going up against. He's got to hit a home run against Edward Diaz. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. And I just think like he would be if he came in now and like came up like a you know Otani did. I think he is the best baseball player to ever touch touch a bat. You know, um, maybe not so much in the field, but best hitter. I think he would be the best hitter in the game. He would blow bonds out of the water, in my opinion. But that's all. That's what's great is I don't have to eat crow if that ever happened because that's not ever going to happen. So, <laughs> so I'm going to say that uh, he, no one touches him. I, I, if he grew up with today's trainings and today's coaches, he's the best baseball player to ever touch, and there'd be no cho- there'd be no question about it. Fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Last topic uh, is going to be Phil's topic. Uh, go ahead, Phil, with your topic. 
Well, you, you kind of started the podcast off with it, right? Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the World Baseball Classic, and I thought it would be interesting just to get everybody's take on, on a top five list of international players, um, you know, and, and there's obviously way more than five that you can choose from, but, you know, just picking five players who you think represent what international players have brought and how they've changed the game. Um, so, you know, I'm going to start out with mine. We'll start with number five. I chose uh, Omar Vizquel from Venezuela, right? Amazing defensive shortstop, 11 gold gloves, um, 2,877 hits, 456 doubles, 404 stolen bases, a 272 average, um, right? He kind of set the standard for, I think, modern-day defensive shortstops. Um, number four, I had Juan Maracal from the Dominican Republic. As a pitcher, he won more games in the 60s. He won 191 games than any other pitcher in Major League Baseball. Um, he has 2,303 career Ks to 709 walks. That's a 3.25 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Top 20 in Major League Baseball. Finished with 243 wins, a 2.89 ERA, and had 244 complete games. That That's insane. Hey. And... Um, <laughs> He outdueled Warren Spahn in what was dubbed the greatest game ever, you know, when both of them pitched 15-plus uh, inning complete games. And that game was won in the 16th inning, 1-0 by the Giants off of uh, Willie Mays' home run. So that that's just an amazing feat right there. And, you know, Juan was from the Dominican Republic. Uh, number three, I have Mariano Rivera from Panama, right? I mean, Let's face it, he he was a stud both in regular season and postseason. He holds 17 regular season regular season MLB records, 14 postseason records, one all-star record to go along with seven Yankees records. Holds the MLB save lead with 652, um, five-time World Series champion. And um, you know, just his his numbers speak for themselves. Number two, I have Ichiro Suzuki from Japan. Um, I look at Ichiro as the top professional baseball hits leader, right? He had 3,089 Major League Baseball hits, 1,278 international hits. That's 4,362 hits, 106 more than Pete Rose. Um, Only the second player in Major League Baseball to win the MVP and Rookie of the Year in the same year. And he had 242 hits, 127 runs, 34 doubles, 56 stolen bases, a 350 batting average and a 0.838 um, OPS, right? So just amazing player. Had over 200 hits in his first 10 seasons, leading the American League in seven of those seasons and finished, you know, with just some amazing Major League Baseball stats. So um, one of the reasons Japanese players are so highly sought for now, really, you know, is because of what Ichiro did. And then number one, um, really I have, I think, in my opinion, this is my humble opinion, but when I think of international players, I think of Roberto Clemente first, mm-hmm. right? Um, not only was he a fantastic baseball player, but he was a fantastic humanitarian, and he did a lot for the Caribbean and, and the uh, Latin American countries and, and players. And, I mean, 3,000 hits, right? He, he kind of led the way there. MVP in 66, um, you know, batting champion in 61, 64, 65, and 67. Um, won the World Series MVP. So he he was just an amazing individual. And, you know, him being from the Puerto Rico, right? All of these guys, I think, opened doors for other players from their countries to come into Major League Baseball. So I would just kind of like to hear everybody else's list. That's awesome. Uh, Justin, I was going to say, Roberto Clemente, who? Uh, who is that? <laughs> who is that? Prior to our podcast, Justin said that growing up, he didn't know who. Well, I grew up in the South. Let's just let's yeah. say that I grew up in the <laughs> South. Everyone, <laughs> not going that far. Um, I'll go next since you guys like to take all of my uh, my choices. But uh, we'll start out with Tony Olivo from Cuba. Uh, in a 15-year career, was known as a positive influence on his team's clubhouse. He was popular with fans in the Twin Cities. Uh, he was referred to as Tony O. He was a coach for the Twins after he retired. He holds the distinction of being uh, the only on-field member ever to appear in all three Minnesota Twins World Series. 
One is an outfielder in 1965. One is a hitting coach in 1987. And one is a bench coach in 1991. He's in the Minnesota Sports Hall of Fame in 1998 and Minnesota Twins Hall of Fame in 2000. Uh, the Twins retired his number in 1991. He was inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2022. Uh, the next one is Lu- Luis Aparigio from Venezuela. He was the first Latin player to win Rookie of the Year Award. 1984, he was inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame. First native of Venezuela to be honored. In 2004, the first annual Luis Aparigio Award was presented to the Venezuelan player who recorded the best individual performance in Major League Baseball. And in 2007, he was inducted into the Hispanic Heritage Baseball Museum of Fame, Hall of Fame. Um, Number three, I have Mariano Rivera. Uh, Best closer in all of baseball, there's no debate. Like when we talk about goats, there is there he is the goat of relievers, and it's going to be hard to top him. Uh, he is a proponent of Latino players learning English and American press members learning Spanish to bridge the uh, generate or the cultural gap. He was a Jefferson Award for Public Service uh, recipient. He was also awarded the Presidential Medal of Honor. He has helped provide children in need with education and empowering them to a better future. Uh, number two, I've got Shohei Otani from uh, Japan. As of April of 2022, he has endorsements that have earned triple what he earned in 2021, uh, $20 million off the field he makes from endorsements. He's proving to be a marketing hit on both sides of the Pacific. He was the first Asian player to be featured on the cover of MLB The Show. Uh, he is doing something that hasn't happened in over 100 years, at least successfully. He is successful both as a hitter and pitcher. It's hard enough to master one, let alone both. Uh, He's recognized for two Guinness World Records. He's the first MLB player to achieve 100-plus innings and record 100-plus strikeouts as a pitcher and 100-plus RBIs, uh, hits and runs as a batter in a single season. And he's the first player to start an MLB All-Star game as a pitcher and as a designated hitter. And then we all know who my number one is. I'm pretty sure all of our number ones are going to be the same. Roberto Clemente, he was both the first Caribbean and first Latin American player to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. He was involved in charity work in both places during the offseason. He often delivered baseball equipment and food to those in need. The Pirates retired his number 21, and MLB renamed its annual Commissioner's Award in his honor. Um, After his death, dozens of schools, streets, bridges, public parks, buildings, and sports venues were named in his honor. Uh, he's also had, he's the athlete with the most statues and monuments dedicated in the world with more than a dozen in several countries. Um, same thing as Rivera. He has a congressional gold medal, presidential citizens award. And in 2022, MLB proclaimed September 15th as Roberto Clemente day. Go ahead, Charlie. Um, so I went with a lot more, I guess, my era of growing up within baseball. Um, same. Same. <laughs> a little bit, uh, I guess, closer to my age. So I had number five, I had, I had David Ortiz. Um, not only because of, like, obviously his stats were there and he had a phenomenal career, but also the market he was in. He was in Boston and was able to bring them their first championship in, I think it was like 75 years. Um, and so – I mean, he's, he was one of the biggest names in baseball and still is a big name in baseball. He stayed in there broadcasting um, and just one of the biggest names in baseball for a long time. Um, number four, I had Shohei Otani, um, just like Rick. Um, I think he is re- reviving uh, baseball in a lot of ways. And like he said, some of the stuff he's doing, doing hasn't been done in over 100 years. Um, and, you know, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, number three, I had Sammy Sosa um, from the Dominican Republic. Um, he was part of, you know, the steroid era, but he was part of an era that revived baseball probably more than any other era and really saved the, saved the sport to a, to a certain extent. Uh, and obviously his stats, again, speak for themselves. Um, number two, I had Ichiro. Um, again, I'll, you know, just – professional hitter i mean he he just got on base every you know felt like every time he was up um and the number one i also had roberto clemente for pretty much the same reasons you guys had um i mean he really opened the door for the latin american community to come play 
in in the MLB. And I mean, if you look at today's MLB, it's it's you know mostly Latin American players. And I, you know, he was you know kind of the first guy that started that in a, in a lot of ways. So that was it. Contrapted mute button was tricking me. Now it smarted <laughs> me again. <laughs> Justin, let's close it out here. What do you think? Um, yeah, uh, number five, I've got Miguel Cabrera from Venezuela. You know, I'm kind of more on the Charlie aspect of it, just who I kind of watched because that inspired us. So that would be, you know, kind of our most inspirational. But yeah, the numbers Miggy put up, um, he's still going to put up numbers next year too, but he's got a career batting average of 308. He's got 388 or 3,088 hits, not 300, uh, 507 home runs, 12-time All-Star, AL Triple Crown winner, two times AL MVP. The numbers are there. We all know Mickey's going into a Hall of Fame. Um, number four, I got uh, Rivera as well from Panama. You know, 652 saves, 13 times All-Star, World Series MVP. It's all, you know, it's just going on what Phil said. Um, number three, I was surprised none of you guys had it. this guy up there, Albert Pujols. You know, out of um, the Dominican Republic, you know, 703 home runs, 3,384, you know, hits, 2,218 RBIs, 11 time All Star, three three time NL MVP, rookie, NL Rookie of the Year, and Roberto Clemente winner himself. Uh, so, you know, that if that's not influ- you know influential, I don't know what is. Uh, two, it's going to be the same as Charlie, good old Ichiro. Um, you know, career 311 batting average, 3,089 hits in the MLB, uh, 10 times, 10 time all-star, AL MVP, AL rookie of the year, 10, 10 gold gloves, MLB record for 262 hits in a season. Like everything's there for this, you know, for that guy. Um, and then number one, of course, is Clemente himself. Three, you know, 317 career batting average, three, exactly 3,000 hits, 15 time all-star, two, two-time World Series champion, 12 gold gloves, World Series MVP. If yeah, The man passed away doing what's right in humanity. You know, nothing says in, you know, the most influential person in baseball than that. He gave his life to make people's lives better and to save other people from starvation. <laughs> you know, during a horrible, horrible, like, catastrophe like that, who knows how many people he actually saved, you know, no. He could have saved an entire country, you know, we don't, we don't know that. And for him to also put up his own money for that stuff, it's huge. Like it, nothing, I don't think we'll ever see a baseball player that giving again. I just don't think we ever will. I would agree. I knew consensus. We were probably all going to play Comente because there really was nobody as influential. I mean, each one was influential in their own way, but like you said, when, you literally pass away from doing something to help other people and, you know, you're going somewhere with a lot going on, then absolutely. Um, do we have any last things that we want to go over? Well, are we missing anything? We do. We did. I mean, the only real big news this week was the rise trade. Do we have any thoughts on this? Like who won that trade or how, do we believe one side was fleeced on there? Do you, Charlie, you want to start or. Yeah. I think I think time will tell on that trade looking I mean when you look at it right now it looks fairly even both teams got things that they needed uh twins you know they they're always feels like they're always in need of pitching and you know the Marlins got um you know a rise to to add some hitting to that lineup so on paper it looks like an even trade but I think you know after a couple of years we'll We'll see how the players on both sides uh, pan out. Justin, thoughts on this trade? Um, kind of what we went over in the beginning. You know, I like Pablo Lopez a lot. You know, he's he's in that division, so I see him a lot along with Alcantara. I, I love both those guys on that Marlin rotation. Well, did love those guys in that Marlin rotation. Um, I think the Marlins they needed to do some sort of trade. They've got to do something. Um, they just don't have a winning culture there. And I think – I don't know if this trade leads into that or how much Jazz Chisholm they're trying to build around because that's what it seems like. But Chisholm stated very openly he doesn't want to keep playing there unless they do something. So um, maybe that's it. Maybe they want to build that team around him so they're getting – you know, starting to finally move in the right direction. But like Charlie said, only time's really going to tell in that trade. Um, but uh, Twins got a great pitcher in uh, – and Lopez, I know that. So he'll give he'll give him some wins, that's for sure. Phil. 
Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I think both teams got pieces they need to improve in 2023. So time will tell to see if, you know, one team got better than the other. But, I mean, I really feel like both teams got pieces that are going to make them better um, in this season. So that's really what the purpose of the trade is, right? So correct me if I'm wrong, but both times the Marlins did win the World Series, did anybody call that? I'm just saying it's not going to happen, but both times nobody <laughs> saw it coming. But they, I mean, they have a sneaky good team. They got Segura, you know what I mean? They still got Jazz Chisholm. Um, they do, still do have a young core. They got good p- pitching, Alcantara. Um, I just, they got a pretty decent farm system. I want to say it's ranked top five. I think this guy helps to your guys' point. He's going to increase their hitting and he doesn't strike out very much. He does make contact a lot. And that's something the Marlins were sorely missing. Uh, he's going to play second. I don't think he's going to hurt you, but I also don't think he's going to help you defensively, but I do think he fits good for that role. Um, as for the Minnesota, I'm not really high on Pablo Lopez. I just think his four ERA, you know, he had a kind of a little bit of a down year last year, but again, I try to take the, um, the, the division he played in. He played in one of the toughest divisions and now he's going to literally the crappiest division in all of baseball, which is the American league central. So I think he will have a bounce back year. I just don't think he's that stud that everyone's making him out to be. Um, and on top of that, I mean, you get a couple more prospects. So those, to Charlie's point, we got to wait and see what those prospects doing do. Uh, I think it's, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but Salas um, is the number five ranked prospect that went from the Marlins to the Twins, and they were he was their best hitter in the minors. So we will see where that goes. Um, any last things before we close this out? All righty. Nope. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Thanks as always. Subscribe and like. Uh, please join in on the comments section, write in anything you would like to see us talk about, maybe a topic for next week. Uh, next week will be the first week we're going to go live. So big step for the podcast. What? So, so look for it on Justin's channel, you know, to be able to join same thing here. Uh, we'll make sure we get out that link. Um, everyone have a good week and thanks for joining us. Oops.